0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host, Abhin. And I'm your co-host, Rohit. Rohit, what are we talking about this week, my friend? Today we're talking about um, a specific year,
1: which I'm going to show off a bit of my Latin here and call it the Anus Mirabilis or the Anus Okay. which is the miracle year. Okay. Uh, one year where there was a lot of good cinema that was put out. So we're going to look at this year in three ways, right? One, obviously, there were three very big movies that came out in one year. I think all three of them are still in fair contention for some of the best movies ever made. Uh, that's one angle we're going to look at. The other angle is there was one actor who had His a breakout, commercially spectacular yeah. year that yeah. year. I think he went from somebody who you knew mm-hmm. to somebody who like everyone was a fan of, everyone adored. So we're going to talk about this spectacular year for this actor. And thirdly, we're also going to spend a few minutes looking at what was happening in India at the Mm -hmm. same time. Again, some very good movies, uh, some very questionable movies, some of which we've already covered in a previous Previous episode, episode, but we're going to pick three movies from India as well, uh, which came out this year. They did uh, great business and a couple of them were genuinely good movies as well. I don't know if one of them was big commercially, but it was a really good movie. Okay. I think think we both know which one of those movies we're talking about. So again lots to talk about but all of this centered around one year mm-hmm. which is the year 1994. Yeah. So that's our topic for today the year
0: 1994. Cool. I guess Q we can intro. start the show. Yeah. Cue intro. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. The year 1994. We were three years old. We don't yes. remember anything. I don't...
1: I didn't know what cinema was. Yeah. Was still shitting
0: my pants or no? I don't No, no, possibly. Or, yeah, yeah. I definitely was. I don't know yeah. about you. That for me went on. Okay. This is not going to be one of those episodes. I <laughs> but here we go. We are in the year 1994. We didn't really like... So it, I stumbled onto this realization very, very late. Because as we got into, let's say, university years a good uh, 15 years or so later, mm. we decided to go exploring for films, right? Yeah. Because at the time, it was generally movies we'd go watch in movie theaters and big blockbusters or movies that were Oscar nominated. But the 90s were a big stopgap for us unless because unless we didn't watch them either on VHS, Laserdisc, VCD, DVD... Uh,
1: I mean, generally movies before your time... If you want to watch them, you have to seek them out. Exactly. You don't want to to come across them unless it's on mm. an HBO or whatever. And for the most part, they don't always put out good stuff on cable TV. Not
0: necessarily. I mean, I I would, I have not seen, I can safely say, maybe one of these, one of the numerous films we're talking about, uh, especially on international cable, is what I meant. Like, I think Indian cable, some of these movies are, are still playing. Like, if I go turn on a television and switch to an Indian TV, uh, Indian, like, movie channel, the, the chances of one of those three movies playing are quite high. Actually, <laughs> no, one of those two. Uh, one is still not... Uh, one of them cannot, will cannot never be, be on Indian TV. <laughs> <laughs> but the other two probably are being, yeah, like, yeah. banded about.
1: I mean, by now, I'm I'm sure you guys have figured out... Very, you have a rough idea of the the big three that we want to talk about, yeah. Uh, which were Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and Forrest Gump. Yeah, I mean, just to say that out loud, right? I mean, these three movies came out in the same year. Imagine being a, a theater goer in that year.
0: Yeah, I imagine just walking into a movie theater in in 1994, and you start off with so walking into Forrest Gump, and then which is a super heartwarming tale. Then, if you follow that up with Shawshank Redemption, which is, for all uh, intents and purposes, a one-sock movie, by which I mean you're sitting down to put on a pair of socks and Shawshank yeah. is playing. And then by the time the movie ends, you still have the other sock in your hand. Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine, right? Like you said, you go to watch Forest Gump, you come out, you're like, wow, I think I've already seen the best movie, movie of the year. Yeah. Then you go into watch Shawshank, you're like, have I seen the best movie of the year now? <laughs> And then you go going to watch Pulp Fiction and you're like motherfucker it's saw the best <laughs> movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like I would have said I would have come out of Pulp Fiction in, in, in the early 90s and been like what have I just watched Yeah and That actually, was probably more because it's Pulp Fiction is super non-linear right? it, I, I think Hyperlink Cinema was in its
1: infancy at that very stage much, Very much uh, at the time. Is
0: Reservoir Dogs non-linear? Kind Not good. as much I mean, it opens with... I think it's it's fairly linear for the
1: most part. Because even if there are different threads, it's all related. It's the same event. Right, right? Yeah. It's the same event. You see it from different perspectives. Here, it's just completely different storylines... Yeah, managing to converge together beautifully at the end. You just like, And it also has time jumps. You see events mm-hmm. uh, that had happened earlier, but feature later. It's I
0: did not know. Okay, I think we'll get to this in the Pulp Fiction. There's an yeah, yeah. important thing about Pulp Fiction, which I didn't clock for many years... Like a, a detail which we'll get to when we discuss Pulp Fiction. I mean, let's
1: do it now. I don't have
0: to go. You don't have to go non-linear? Right. Cool. Okay, let's start this with Pulp Fiction.
1: Yeah, we don't oh. have
0: to go linear, exactly. No, okay, cool. Oh, There's going to be that kind of an <laughs> episode we're right? going. All right. So, uh, Pulp Fiction came out, I think, the latest uh, amongst those three. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, written by him and Roger Avery. Like we've mentioned at the time that audiences hadn't seen a lot of very non-linear very tight very dialogue heavy small bouts of action but very violent hyper violent action sequences and some phenomenal performances uh in that uh, in true. that movie the the character of Jules famously passed over by by Lawrence Fishburne i think for the better mm. i don't know i think lawrence fishburne also could have had i think lawrence fishburne for him he, he had that moment but say 4 years later with the matrix true i think Samuel Jackson brought something to the character,
1: which I'm not saying Lawrence Fishburne couldn't have. But yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it was meant for Sam, Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Likewise with The Matrix. I don't see Morpheus going red pill or blue pill, <laughs> motherfucker.
0: <laughs> you never know. I think, oh, that's a great what if. What if, like, they had swapped roles? What mm. if Sam Jackson was in The I think the what if is a great episode idea we should do something. Yeah. File it away. Mm. Coming back, all right. So, pulp fiction, like we've mentioned, stars Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Quentin Tarantino himself, Wayne v- Grahams, Bruce Willis. Yeah, I think uh, Tarantino's biggest success
1: was getting Bruce Willis to actually act well.
0: I think '90s Bruce Willis was was uh, into the role. Into I mean, he wasn't phoning it in. yet, yeah, definitely. But I don't think he's a good actor. I don't think so. I don't think he ever yeah. thought of himself to be a good actor. He's just... But he actually performed quite
1: well, especially the... I mean, I get no spoilers, but uh, where he dis- where he comes across Marcellus Wallace. Yes. His reaction to the whole situation is appropriate. He's actually
0: done a good job. That's quite hilarious, that entire sequence. Yeah. So how does one describe Pulp Fiction? What is the story about? Mm, uh... There's a briefcase.
1: Yeah. So there is a briefcase... With, an, with unspecified contents, uh, which glows. Uh, everyone's after that briefcase. There are certain characters who have beef with each other. Mm-hmm. There are certain characters who work for each other. It, it's it's hard to describe. Yeah, it's to, I, it's yeah. so hard. It's
0: so random. It's a movie yeah. about several things. At the same time, it's a movie about nothing. Nothing. I think you can pick, what, four iconic moments from that film, straight up. Yeah. You have the Omar Thurman and John Travolta dance sequence. You have... Uh, what does Marcellus Wallace look like and uh, that is that is the go-to yeah. right I completely forgot to, um, to to mention Tim Roth who kicks off this movie yes you have the um, the, the sequence of the diner the other yeah, diner, diner where movie. Samuel Jackson is is reciting from the bible there is so much happening in this film even the part where Bruce Willis asks Marcellus Wallace are you okay <laughs> no
1: I'm fucking far <laughs> from okay <laughs> Uh, like I mentioned this before I am not how do I put this I don't love Pulp Fiction as a movie mm-hmm. I, I feel it's a little I, I wouldn't say overrated its legend has been embellished over the years mm-hmm. and now it's become this this huge thing but that said that's my I am fully aware of the fact that that's my personal opinion uh, objectively credit goes to the fact that it's a very unique movie. It's very well put together and it has amazing moments. That's something even I can't deny. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely quotable, very memorable, all of that. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely to my taste, but that's just me. I can see, I can accept the fact
0: that this is a... I, I, I don't think movie. you're you're alone in that camp. A lot of people who have shown Pulp Fiction to or watched it by themselves have not liked it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. For them, it's just a movie about nothing, that goes nowhere. And these are the same people that had an issue with, let's say, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie yeah. I loved. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably one of my favorite Tarantino films. It's, it's like it's a movie about two friends, right, who are having True. a bad day. True. Yeah. Um, At least there is something to anchor it in the last act
1: of the movie, mm-hmm. I would say. Pulp Fiction misses even that. Yeah. Yes, there is. And I feel, I get that he wanted it to be, he wanted that suitcase as a McGuffin to be a gimmick wherein you never know what's inside it. Mm-hmm. But I feel that makes the center of the film slightly hollow. Okay. That's, I I don't have an anchor, uh, you know, to hold me in place around which the rest of the plot mm-hmm. resolves. Like even in the case of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, no spoilers again, whatever happens at the end, mm-hmm. is something you can, because it's a natural historical event, one, even if you have an idea of what they're building towards, mm. which you yeah. get. You User see. The, affair, yeah. You get, they, With so certain characters
0: that, that they're building Look introduced. forward yeah. to,
1: exactly. Here yeah, is just like, nice. I mean, this was a smart movie, mm-hmm. but it didn't hit
0: me. Okay. I, I love Pulp Fiction. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it in, in some time. Um, when I watched it, I was very amazed by how... Like, this was my first real introduction to, okay... The movies can also be like this. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be straight, linear plots where you know the good triumphs over evil. like there is no good, there is no evil. Everyone's like a wonderful shade of gray in this movie. Yeah. And that's what it does really well. and i and the more I watch it every couple of years, I find myself gravitating towards different parts of the film now the one the one sequence that I really um I enjoy, and I didn't realize builds up so much tension rather like you I underrated it for the amount of tension it builds up is the Uma Thurman sequence in the house Mm. where she ends up uh, ODing and I was like oh this is uh, this, this is high strung stuff and the first time I watched it I didn't really think much of it but then later on I was like okay wow this movie has also led to several Big Mac references everywhere they don't call it a Big Mac in Paris. They call yeah. it a Royal with cheese. Everybody thinks
1: they're a smartass quoting
0: this movie. Yeah. And oh, I think the the cultural zeitgeist—if you're playing two, please bingo. There you go. So has this and Fight Club have been yes. oversaturated, uh, or have become oversaturated th- thanks to the cultural zeitgeist? Like unofficial merchandise, TV hmm. uh, T-shirts, wall hangings, the they still of jewels and, oh my God, what's his name? Vincent Vega. Vincent Vega. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, pointing their guns, uh, have um, become immortalized by the sheer amount of pop culture memorabilia that exists. Yeah. Today, like you said, right? It the as as was the case
1: with Seven. Sometimes I see people making these movies or their affinity to these movies almost a part of their personality.
0: Yeah. For sure. Fight Club. I mean, I, I keep bringing this up. Another for the two, please, bingo people. Fight Club, man. Uh, the, this is like Tyler. Tyler Durin is the Andrew Tate of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, very striking similarities. If you think of it, I mean, no, no chance. Brad, like, his hair to begin with. <laughs> I mean, the character. character but yeah, anyways, hair. I can get mm. your point. Yeah, so I don't, I don't get... Why, like, the current generation has put the film on the pedestal that it has. It's a great film. It's a very quotable film. It's a very fun film. It And I think that's all it should be. It, it should needs be. To be. It yeah. shouldn't be anything more. And that. I don't think it, it even pretends to be anything more. Yeah. It's like, as Tarantino once put it, it's fun. I do it because it's fun. I think he spoke of it for a very different film. But um Pulp Fiction... It's a lot of things. It's not a deep philosophical look at anything. It's just a good old fun film. Yeah,
1: but that was that was pulp fiction. Mm. Uh, let's talk about
0: the next one. I want to go with the uh, Forest Gump. Yeah, I want to keep. like let's go from non to the, the most non-linear film on this list to the most linear film. Yeah, on this I list. would say the most linear, straightforward film. It's not a complicated movie. It's not. It's very straightforward. Yeah, I had little to no knowledge about Forest Gump when I. First watched it, I just knew there was a man named Forrest Gump who would keep quoting about, uh, who would keep talking about a box of chocolates. Yeah. And that was my extent of what I knew of of the film. I mean, the way I, the reason I got into, uh, the reason
1: I decided to watch Forrest Gump was because i had seen Tom Hanks in other movies. mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this guy acts well. Has he won any Oscars? Mm -hmm. And I saw, okay, he'd won back to back. Yeah. Like uh, Philadelphia and then Forrest Gump. So uh, was it Forrest Gump uh,
0: in Philadelphia? Huh?
1: Philadelphia is before Forrest Gump? Yeah, Kump? Philadelphia first and then Forrest Gump, oh, okay. 93 and 94. 94 okay. And I was what, a teenager at this point, I was like, oh, okay, so let's check out this, these movies and see uh, how he's performed in them. So the plot for Philadelphia is like, serious drama about I mm. fuck that. Okay, let's watch Forrest Gump <laughs> first, and that's how I ended up watching Forrest Gump. Uh, undeniably good performance from Tom Hanks. I just feel, uh, I think I've been saturated with this movie. I've seen it so many times, primarily oh. because it comes on TV so often on cable mm-hmm. TV in India.
0: It's one of the most watched uh, movies on Netflix today in India. Yeah.
1: So and now I'm like, okay, I think it's just familiarity breeds contempt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I objectively look at it, it's a very nice, it's a very heartwarming story about, I think the lesson I took away from it is that, Intelligence is not everything hmm. uh, if you have a big heart and uh, extremely serendipitous luck in the case of Forrest of course, yeah. I think at some point we'll rattle off all of the historical events that he finds himself at the center of mm-hmm. uh, you can lead a good, happy, fulfilling
0: life at least Forrest does yeah uh, i I like this movie. I know a lot of people don't, and it's not very very well rated also if you were to go onto websites. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it holds a 74% or a 75%. But I think the IMDb rating for it is slightly higher, which means for a wider audience, they generally tend to like this film. The critical audience is not so much. Tom Hanks is great in this movie. But Robin Wright is the one of the star performers yeah. in the film. Um, and more than anything else, it's Robert Zemeckis who... Takes you as the viewer mm. down this journey and makes it so engaging because this could this movie could be could become boring very very quickly or it could become a trope very very quickly. I would
1: say it does threaten to become boring at some points in the film. Mm. There are a couple of places where you have to kind of trudge through the next two three minutes, but then again, the next event starts, starts or whatever, at, the mm-hmm. next chapter starts and like okay cool.
0: Yeah. So do we? So what
1: is the story of Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump. So Forrest Gump is this kid who is it's not on the i mean is he on the spectrum he has kind no i q yeah
0: okay
1: i mean that's how they explicitly a, start the movie yeah. that he's got an i q of sixty or something and Ooh. yeah uh, the teacher is like your kid is stupid, mm-hmm. and uh, his Forest mom played by an amazing turn again by Sally Field. Uh, she's determined to make sure Forrest has no lesser a life than anybody else, mm-hmm. and is offered no no. None, I'm sorry, and is offered all of the opportunities that his peers would get. And uh, in fact, there's a air quotes compromise she reaches yeah. with the uh, school principal in order to
0: give which, Forrest that opportunity, which they uh, kind of rework. In the, in the plot to the Indian remake of Forrest Gump Lal Singh a movie which I just watched <laughs> over the week what does <laughs> his mom do uh, she offers to uh, clean uh, uh, clean vessels at the school or, or offer to help uh, act as the work in the kitchens at the school to make sure her son receives an education let's get back to Forrest Gump and his and his route through history
1: yeah so like I mentioned uh Forrest seems to have some extreme serendipity in his life. Uh, I'm just going to quickly rattle off some of the things that Forrest finds himself... Some of the events in history that Forrest finds himself at the center of.
0: Forrest listens
1: to Hound Dog and uh, sort of finds himself doing this uh, a certain step, swiveling his hips and his knees in a certain way because at that point he's in a brace. Mm -hmm. That's the only way he can move. And a young Elvis who is... A house guest Yeah At that point in their house uh, Seems to really like the dance step And apparently Forrest gave rise to The iconic Elvis dance move Of the whole knees thing You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, about exactly, I don't yeah, need to course, describe yeah. it There's that uh, Forrest ends up meeting JFK After his tour in Vietnam Mm-hmm he was there at the time the Alabama University starts accepting black students. Mm-hmm. He somehow miraculously becomes really good at ping pong and he gets sent to China. So he's at the center of the whole ping pong diplomacy in, mm-hmm. in the 70s. He ends up inspiring... <laughs> what? <laughs> he ends up inspiring John Lennon to write Imagine. Yeah. When he offhandedly <laughs> says something on a talk show. He, yeah. he also ends up exposing... The whole Watergate kind of exposing yeah. Nixon is because he saw somebody in, in the Watergate hotel and he ends up calling them. Yeah, because he couldn't
0: sleep and they yeah, and that's that's his, that's the thing.
1: Uh, he ends up investing in Apple because Lieutenant Dan tells him they've invested in a fruit company <laughs> and he ends up buying shares in Apple. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Forrest makes the bulk of his money. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a bit of a spoiler alert here through the story of Jenny, Forrest also finds himself being at the. I would say the first wave of the HIV outbreak think, mm. as well. So a lot of events in history where in the and movie Forest yeah, finds
0: Bubba Gum Shrimp
1: is. Bubba Gum Shrimp as well. Yeah. I think that's also another way where he makes a lot of money. It he does. Yeah. He's got a share yeah. in gum. Mm. So it's a I don't know, I mean, uh, it's a very charmed life that he lives.
0: It's a very convenient movie.
1: It's a very convenient movie, exactly. <laughs> and to be honest, the only um, setback he has is with Jenny, like in the Mm -hmm. case of Jenny. Yeah. Other than that, I mean in real life somebody with his Mm -hmm. mental makeup that's the most polite. It's a very difficult
0: world to that he it's a very cruel world. Exactly. Exactly.
1: They're not I'm sad to say they're not going to have the life that he does.
0: Especially the outlook I mean the outlook on on life can only take you so far. Exactly. So it's just it's it's a very dreamy escapist kind of film and it's and and I really enjoy it for what it is. It's for a good watch. watch. Mm-hmm. If you are okay, if you're aware of the fact,
1: and you're okay with the fact that it's a corny, sappy, slightly predictable, fairly unrealistic movie, but it's 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 escapist cinema in the right sense. Yeah, it's fine. I think mean, Tom Hanks is
0: great in this film. Yes, yes. Tom Hanks is absolutely great in this film. And initially, the the story is that um, he did not like when. So the story is that. Fucking hell, huh? So the story behind how he got his accent for the film is a quite an interesting one. Yeah, that's not the accent that he decided to go with in the film, but the child actor who portrays Forrest, a young Forrest, a young Forrest, yeah. um, spoke in that way, a like, very thick Alabama accent, very thick yeah. and to which Forrest or to, and that's how Tom Hanks ended up. Picking, it, picking up the accent and running with it. And it I think, yeah, the, the kid couldn't do any other accent. Yeah. Like, I, I can only speak this way. Yeah. And Tom is like, wait, I'm a good actor. Like, yeah, adapt my accent. Yeah. So he uh, ends up picking on the accent, which has now gone on to become iconic. And he's good in the film, but the latter, or rather just towards the end when he meets somebody... And he asks Jenny a very simple question. Oh man, I was just going to mention the same thing. I think yeah. that is yeah, and it's not over dramatic. It's not melodramatic. It's not yeah. It's not played, let's say, uh, ten times uh, above what it should be. Exactly, which is kind of what happens in the Indian remake. I was just going to ask you, do they fuck it up in Lalsing Chandra? I mean, they go for a very different route, but also at the same time, I think they go 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 for that route because the audience is different. Like, generally, we are right. so used to, let's say, bigger, louder uh, True. representations of emotions in films. Especially with Punjabi stereotypes. Of course, yeah. But that being said, they kind of end up redeeming the end of that film. Where, like, there's there's a whole grave sequence. Where, Amal Khan really sells it. Like, he really sells it. Because he drops the PK mm. over the topness. For a really emotional moment, because there is a character that he's that has been with, that he's wanting to be with throughout the journey, mm-hmm. ends up being with them, but you know, life, that's probably the most real thing is that about the film, as escapist as it may be, there is a tinge of real life sadness that's attached to it. Mm. And even in is Gump, they do it so well. Ended up winning Best Picture that year, to the dismay of many. Going uh, to the next movie we're going talk to talk about. about. I think that's as great a segue as we could possibly hope to discuss The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. I don't know if it was the same for a bit. Before I had watched Shawshank Redemption, I
1: had this, okay, I'm going to watch the best movie ever made.
0: It really sets your expectations very high. And the first time you watch it, it does not let you down. Yeah, it does not. I think because,
1: it's... and especially at that, I had watched it fairly early in my movie watching career. So there are a lot of movies which I would subsequently go on to watch which I now feel are superior but at that point of time having watched the few movies I did I was like yeah man this this is the best movie I've seen probably the best movie
0: ever made Yeah, Uh, I ended up watching, there's a funny story of how I ended up watching this film right so in 2008 I was really obsessed with one movie, the build up to this movie basically which was Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Hmm. because cool at the time with the trailers and how we'd been following it like basically scouring comingsoon.net that's how <laughs> old we are uh, for for trailer footage we used to have 3gp trailers on our phone all of that right like peak late <laughs> 2000s era peak pre pre-smartphone era. yeah exactly and everyone kept saying oh this is one of the greatest movies ever made Uh, It's going to display Shawshank Redemption. And at the time, I didn't really know about... I knew of Shawshank Redemption. I had no idea that it was the number one rated film on IMDb. And he said, this is going to break it. Godfather... I think Godfather was up there and for a week... I think Godfather second or third. I don't know exactly, but yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I need to see what this movie is about. And didn't really get to it in 2008. But did get to it in 2009. Well, I ended up watching it between the school-college break. And I really liked it then. It's been a while. That is the first and the only time I've seen this film. Mm. And so it's been... The details for me are particularly hazy because I haven't gone back to it in so long. And I don't know why I haven't. I watched it uh, and then I got into the quizzing circuit and it just kept popping up everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> so many questions. Where so many is this
1: fishing village in my like, bro? It's come some thrice already. Spons. Pictures of Rita Hayworth.
0: Yeah. Um, and um, Rita Hayworth. Uh, uh, Raquel Welch. Uh-huh. And one more. I'm forgetting. I, for me, it was like a constant reminder through quizzes. we like, oh, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. Um, it, that doesn't take away from how good this movie is. Absolutely. And... Um, Again, the other angle for me
1: here was that I've always, uh, I've written stuff by by the side and Stephen King has always, I love writing horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stephen King has always been my favorite fiction author. Uh, even before I watched Shawshank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I found out it was based on his short story. The thing I like about Stephen King, the horror aspect aside, what he really does well is he goes into uh, detailing out these minutiae of a human thought, or you know, st- uh, he'll have an obsession which which you can relate to, mm-hmm. and it makes his characters feel more human, feel more relatable. They're not something on paper. Mm-hmm. You you know somebody like this exactly in your life. Huh. So when I just I mean just like pulls you draws you into the story that much better. And you see that at play in, in Shawshank as well. And um, Andy Dufresne played by Tim Robbins, or even Red played mm-hmm. by uh, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. I'm not saying I relate to criminals or I, I'm not saying I know <laughs> criminals in my life. But uh, you find yourself rooting for these characters. You find... Uh, you find, you, you get your, you get attached to these characters. And uh, knowing what you know, the fact that Andy Dufresne is innocent and he's not the mm-hmm. guy who's committed the crimes for which he's jailed. Uh, you just want him to... The payoff at the end, again, I don't want to mm-hmm. spoil stuff. The payoff at the end when he does a certain gesture yeah, yeah. In, I think almost invariably you find yourself doing it with him yeah is he like yes, yes. <laughs> good good for you mm-hmm. and um, I think the 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 highlight of the movie is this one sequence I think it's somewhere in the middle of it um, where people who are done with their sentence mm-hmm. and who ha- uh, have to be reintegrated back into, into society. the outside world yeah, society. wonderful
0: that sequence mm-hmm.
1: That is rough going because people who have been in prison for, say, 30, 40 years are so, the institutionalization is so deeply ingrained that uh, they've forgotten how to live uh, a free man's, a free person's life. Mm. And it's such a strong statement, which is uh, shown on screen so beautifully I think that for me is the highlight of the film. Main plot aside, the subplot for me is the highlight of the film. It's a short five-minute sequence, sequence. But, uh, oh man.
0: I've, you know what, I mean, I'm nowhere, in no nowhere way comparing um, lifetime institutionalization to what we went through two, three years ago. Um, so with the pandemic, I don't think any of us, like having been cooped up, let's say in our houses for an extended period of time, it has that has inherently changed us in so many ways. Like, I am not the person I was three years ago. I'm so, I am no longer as social. I am no I, longer... Absolutely. Yeah. Just a whole part of you has has gone away. And now, like, when things eventually reopened and you went back out there, uh, you're just like... I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just... I'm so sorry to break it, but I, I
1: just had an image of me going to a restaurant and carving into the table room with those
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. So... It's just uh, <laughs> what makes you think I haven't done it already. <laughs> but um, we've changed so much. Like the world has changed so much. So imagine somebody who has been in a in, in a in a space in an environment where they have become so accustomed to the way of life. Yeah. And then they end up coming out, and it's so beautifully told. Through the film, which even to me to this day, it is this, more than the, the hand gesturing moment in, mm. at the end of the film. That is a part of the film that stands out to me the most. Absolutely, And the way like it ends and just how it's, oof, that's some heavy hitting stuff. And it has, I mean, if you would taken it out of the film, I don't think it would have. Um, it wouldn't change the change, plot. It wouldn't change the art. But arc. its inclusion mm. elevates the movie disproportionately. Of course, yes, for sure. Uh, I have. I recommend the Shawshank Redemption if you haven't seen it. I'm sure all of us have seen it at yeah. this point. It's a movie that IMDb made sure we all watched, uh, and that I can only give uh, props to for because for a while IMDb was, and I think to a, a big part of this generation as well, IMDb is the go-to. Yeah. Um, is it a good barometer to measure films? I don't think so. But in this case, it doesn't matter. I mm, would say it's, would it's say still it. a. Uh, Very
1: quotable movie again, Mm -hmm. very memorable characters, The Warden, uh, again, a great antagonist. The way, the twist, a great twist as well. Again, not to spoil, one of the better twists in cinema, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, believable, it's not like, hey, this sounds like utter shit, shit, not really. Mm -hmm. It's, It's explained well, you're like, okay, I can... Foresee this happening.
0: Yeah, it's not like, oh, this was all a dream.
1: (laughs) Like those kind of twists where you wake up and... Yeah, exactly, Mm. exactly. In fact, such a good twist that it was also (laughs) adapted in 97, It's Gupt. (laughs) Uh, I think we've mentioned this before. We've mentioned this before. Uh, But yeah, uh, all in all, great movie. Uh, Definitely, everyone should at least watch it once. Once, yeah.
0: Highly recommend if you haven't already. Now...
1: Yes, those were the big three that we wanted to talk about. And now we just want to focus on
0: one guy. Yeah. So all of this was happening yeah. in the year 1994. But let's fast forward to the year 90. Let's uh, not fast forward. Let's let's rewind to the year 1986, 1995. 1986, 85, there's this young boy who's trying to make it in Hollywood who writes himself a check yeah. for $10 million saying in 10 years, he's going to cash it. Um and absurd, right? Like, a, like one of those really far-fetched things. But then this boy begins to work. And then he starts getting bit part roles, ends up uh, starring in a, in a very popular TV show in Living Colour, which was hmm. kind of uh, highly underrated, created by the Wine Brothers. Uh, very underrated. And then it, unfortunately, because of... There's another thing we forgot to mention in the year 94, because as I was bringing up in Living Colour... 1994 is also the year a sitcom is born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, 94 had right, power. Yeah. 94 is also the first season, is also when the first season of Friends dropped. Yeah. So, it's not just like films. films. It's also... Like for television. Television. Yeah, but so we have Friends, we have these three films. And this is also... 93 or 94? Earlier than, 92. I think. 92. 92 yeah. or 93 around that time. But this also happens to be the year where Jim Carrey, and I did not know this until last week, where Jim Carrey does The Mask, does Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which was the first film to have come out, and does Dumb and Dumber. The three pillars of 90s comedy yeah. are here. <laughs> In it's the same year, right? Yeah. So the story goes that by the time Dumb and Dumber was, began shooting... The other two had made so much money, uh, and I think Jeff Daniels basically got paid pittance for, the, for his role in the film. Jim Carrey insisted they bring on Jeff Daniels. I think he was paid 50000 or something for, the, for his role. And Jim Carrey, at first, was paid 700000 but, but by the time they began shooting for the film, Ace Venture had opened up to $100 million, had done $100 million at the box office. The Mask had done $100 million at mm. the box office. And so he renegotiated his check from seven hundred thousand to seven million. And so in that year, he made over his ten million dollars. Mm. Cash that check. Cash that check. So I don't see Jim Guy doesn't need to work a day in his life. Let's and I think he's more or less stopped. Yeah. He's become weird now. He's saying some very questionable things. He's uh, anti-vax. He's. Uh... He's a bunch of things. But to me, as a childhood, uh, as, as a, in terms of childhood heroes, there were three people in in the Hollywood space was Jim Carrey there was Arnold Schwarzenegger and there was Robin Williams mm. Robin Williams for me is still like my, one of my absolute favourites it, it tears me apart that what, what happened did what end it, it it up happening but my childhood a lot of it is owed to, to Robin Williams and a lot of it is owed to Jim Carrey true so and Jim Carrey didn't really like make movies for me if you watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective which we kind of talk about the movie has not aged well it's not a, it's not a good movie it's not a good movie but it was hilarious at the time when it ended up dropping. Like there is a very weird plot twist that it that involves the the main character and the ultimate antagonist. Very strange. Uh, it's also a fil- this movie also stars Courtney Cox. What do you for Courtney Cox, by the <laughs> way? <laughs> so um, directed by Tom Shadyac, who also went on to direct several other Jim Carrey films. I enjoyed Ace Fincher when it came out, but as I have grown older. I have begun to see the problems that it has had. And I kind of watched a bit of it for this episode. It's obviously, it has all the Jim Carrey mannerisms, which yeah. for me are more rooted in the nostalgia aspect. I'd say Ace Ventura is my least of favorite of the three. I would say, I think it's got Jim Carrey
1: turned all the way to 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Jim Carrey works good at a 7, mm-hmm. 8 level. <laughs> 11 is just a little unhacking. But then you have the mask, where he's over the top as hell. But the role, it works for the role because that's exactly what you need. You've yeah. got this crazy psycho who's put on a mask and it's an alter ego almost. Yeah, and
0: he balances that out really well. Because everyone, yeah, everyone says Jim Carrey is like over the top with this comedy. When the man has to play it straight, he plays it wonderfully. The yeah. Truman Show is one of my favorite movies. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, another so, un- Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Another really underrated classic, which we've both mentioned, is The Majestic. Yes. Uh, Frank Darabont's The Majestic. Yes. It's In
1: fact, sorry, I wanted to... Going back to Shawshank, mm-hmm. I think the thing that I loved most was the direction. And I became a fan of Darabont. I really loved The Majestic. Because of his name being attached to Walking Dead, I also watched that piece of trash far more <laughs> than I should have. Uh... Love that man. I don't know why he's not getting work anymore. Uh, I think he doesn't care anymore. I mean, if we can bring back Brendan Fraser, we should bring back (laughs) Frank Darabont. Oh, Brendan Fraser I feel
0: really sad for, dude, with what happened with Bad Girl. Yeah. Um, But I think Brendan Fraser, one of my, again, another childhood hero. Yes. For one particular film, but like a childhood hero nonetheless. Anyway,
1: coming back, coming Mm -hmm. back to uh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yes, he can play a straight man when he needs to. But for the most part, his success that year yes, was yeah. from playing these over. And the mask,
0: he is so good. Like, it's him and a young Cameron Diaz. Yes. Or, who is just oof in that film.
1: Yes, I think uh-huh. it was peak Cameron Diaz. Well,
0: early, like, this was her kind of a break. Yes, I think and she peaked a little early. I think she peaked, what, three years later with uh, uh, Something, of- about hmm? Something About Mary. Something About oh, Mary.
1: Something, yeah, actually. Uh-huh. That, I would say, Gangs of New York so also.
0: Is, uh, Gangs of New York is 2000s, right? Like I'd say. Two thousand, two thousand two. 2000,
1: 2002. Mm-hmm. I would say. Post like 21st century Cameron Diaz is a bit I don't like her that much. Mm-hmm. She felt better off than <laughs> the, the, in like the these 90s, 90s. Slicks, Yeah.
0: So I was talking to my dad about this, and this is something very which I didn't realize at the time. So I remember watching The Mask. I remember the theater I went to watch it, mm. watch the movie as well. So when I heard that it was out in the year 94, it didn't make sense to me because this is a movie I remember the theater. Yeah, theatrical. you don't
1: form memories at three. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then I was talking to my dad about this, uh, the podcast before we began recording, and he said, 94. I was like, yeah. He said, no, we watched this movie here in 96 or 97. And uh, I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we saw it in 96, 97. And I said, did we watch it at the Galaxy Theater? He's like, yeah, that's where we went. Um, and he looked at me. He's like, how, how I remember stuff like that. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I remember. We, we ended up going for it. So a lot of the the films that ended up releasing in the US came quite a much bit. Much later. Much later to us. I mean, now... Uh, I was recording this on the weekend. Nope has released in movie theaters a movie which I really want to check out. Mm. So, it's Bullet Train. So, uh, this is, and they've both been out, I'd say, about for the last two to three weeks or so. Yeah,
1: Bullet Train, I think almost. Yeah, so we've come
0: a long way since, is kind of what I'm basically trying to get to. Uh, Mm. But back to the mask, the story is about a guy who finds a a charmed mask that. I think there's some Norse mythology. It's Loki's mask or something. Loki's mask, yeah, or something. And then ends up. Um, turning him into a different alter ego character spawned uh, an animated TV show which we all grew up on.
1: Yeah, and I think I always thought the TV show came first and then the movie was made on the back of it.
0: So it turns out the yellow suit is a Jim Carrey idea. Wow. So he it was something his mother had made for him as a child and he brought that into the film and He wore the dentures, the oversized dentures, throughout production, like whenever he was on set. Because he, he didn't take them off for shots. he wore them. and Oh, wow. But yeah. Jim Guy is very committed, I think. Yes, he is. Yeah, there is also... not. you want to talk would,
1: about the Andy Kaufman movie?
0: Oh, I want to talk about that in some time, but I kind of also want to talk about The Grinch. So, there was a makeup artist that famously quit... Hollywood after his experience with Jim Carrey on the Grinch mm. because Jim Carrey was covered in yak fur yeah. day on and he called and he compared it to being compared it to torture
1: see I think they had to get a, I mentioned this before they had mm. to get a CIA torture specialist to help Jim Carrey deal with six yeah, hour because he was sentence. like
0: yelling at his this was a, a young Japanese guy if I'm yeah. not mistaken who had just come into the industry this was the first big project he ended up working on and he got yelled at by Jim Carrey on a repeated basis and this is let's say ninety this is 98, 99 Jim Carrey where he's like true star, yeah. turned into he a bit of a tantrum. Cool. Yeah. I think even on Dumb and Dumber, he, which is the next movie we should talk about, he wasn't on really, really on his best behavior mm-hmm. uh, but not nothing compared to what happened uh on the Andy Kaufman film.
1: Where I think he was trying to stay in character all the time. And part of Andy Kaufman's shtick was to be this role. Troll kind of put you out of your comfort zone. That was his kind of humor. Which, if you're trying to stay in character and do off-camera, is nine times out of ten not gonna translate well. Like,
0: I think Mirosh Foreman stopped. Or rather, he was never the same after that. It's a mm. movie directed by Milo Foreman, right? It's called Man on the Moon. Yeah. Never the same after that film. Uh, and so that's like that's the problem with which And Jim Carrey addresses it, right? He said so much that when REM did a music video for or rather a song for it. And they asked him if he would return as uh, Andy Kaufman. And he said, I can't. Mm. And, and I think Jim Carrey has not been the same since that movie. If you want to like point at a certain part of, of the last 30 years where Jim Carrey changed mm. completely, I think Man on the Moon was a big indicator of what, what went down. Mm. But if you come back to The Mask and you come back to Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber is uh, another film we, we love growing up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think that was my favorite of the 3 mm-hmm. because uh extremely easy to understand it's it was a, very
0: straightforward.
1: A very straightforward movie. For the most part it has aged well. I feel there is some bit of problematic misogyny at some points in the film.
0: Of course, uh, a very uh, symbolic representation of the 90s. Yeah. And 90s comedies in general yeah were like would play on these tropes.
1: Correct. But for the most part it's harmless comedy, I, I, and I think Jeff Daniels is a great foil to Jim Daniel. Jeff Kelly. Daniels is
0: the best part of the film. And I exactly. That, yeah. I
1: was just going to say that. I don't know why I stopped short, because we were talking about Jim K. Ke- yeah. Jeff Daniels is the best part yeah. of the
0: Yeah, film. The Jeff Daniels uh, on the ski lift is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Dumb and Dumb in so long, but that ski lift yes. sequence, I yes. I still think of today and laugh.
1: The OG of uh, of stupid gags. Of I course. think Dumb and Dumb was where it was played to best effect. He down the line, he's obviously made other movies like Liar Liar and me, me myself and I, me myself and Irene. I think me myself and Irene
0: is still a good movie. I like me myself and Irene. Yeah. I, I really like Liar Liar. I don't know what you what you guys what
1: uh, you opinion on. the point I was building up to was that whole over the top shtick gets old quick. It wears down on you. I feel.
0: But Liar Liar, there's this sequence where he kind of has a like a full on breakdown in his office. Yeah. And he wasn't given a, I watched Adelaide Live recently like because I was intrigued to see how mm. that movie had aged. It's aged. But there are parts of it where you look at Jim Carrey and think there is nobody in the world who could have done this but you. Mm. There is nobody in the world who would have carried uh, that amount of... Because good-looking people are not meant to be funny. Yeah, Jim Carrey is a very good-looking dude. Especially mm-hmm. in the 90s, Jim Carrey is a really good-looking dude. Is not meant to be that funny. Is not meant to be that talented. Which always means there's something going on, right? And now we know. Yeah. Yeah. But he even, um, I, I kind of want to like ask you, what is your favorite Jim Carrey film?
1: Non-serious.
0: Any? Across. I his? mean,
1: then it's Truman Show. Truman Show. Yeah. But I'm keeping aside, since he's mm. primarily a comedian, yeah. I would say me, myself and I.
0: Me, myself and I. For me, it was The Truman Show. Truman Show was one of my favorite films. But for the sheer number of times I've seen this film and for what I expected from it and to be surprised by what it ended up being, like, this was what, 2005 or six. The I Majestic? Made, no, I was like in our first family holiday, international family holiday. We're going to Malaysia and we're picking up DVDs. And the guy says, you should check this out. And he gives me the DVD to Eternal Sunshine of the Swartless Mind. Uh. Uh, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm still of the idea that Jim Carrey is doing comedies, right? Yeah. Like slapstick comedies. I watched this movie and I'm like, what is this? But, oh, that film has a, a heart and it's so... It cool. does,
1: but it's it's a dense movie. It's a very dense
0: movie. I, I, but I, lo- I for me, my first experience with Jim Carrey being like, okay, this is crazy. Because I wasn't allowed to watch the Truman Show when I was growing up. Even though... I literally saw the the poster for the film like the hand painted poster mm. for the film every day on my way to school. It was like every single day when it was playing in movie theaters I cuz this time, this time Jim Carrey was big enough to be a world worldwide star mm. right. So then we started getting his movies the time mm. <laughs> they were being distributed regularly uh, in the in the US. So for me that was like still my one of my favorites but the mask, in terms of comedies, is like my is up there because hmm. the way he the way he plays off uh, the Stanley Ipkiss dynamic, where he's this l- unconfident dude who's stuck in a situation, who, and then he flips that with this over the life bum insane. I mean, I
1: think the movie is essentially an allegory for split personality. In a way, yeah. it was me, myself, and Irene
0: before me, myself, yeah. and yeah. Me, myself and I am still quite hilarious. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Hank, right? His, his altering yeah. alter And the
1: transformation, whatever that whenever he breaks into, mm. again, really well acted by, great physical acting, acting magic. Yeah. I so, think he's the king of physical acting. Oh, yeah, definitely. For sure. Nobody for, comes
0: close. Does it the way he contorts his face? Even for the <laughs> Grinch. Yeah. He, he kind of ended up doing it uh, on a talk show at some point. The, the Grinch face. And to be able to
1: put that out despite all of that layer of so many makeup. layers of makeup and stuff my
0: god not a, it takes true talent and i think like true talent rises to the top in in most cases yeah. jim carrey is the perfect example of it may not be may not be the same person we liked growing up but you can't not knock on his I own. i mean regardless
1: of his beliefs he comes across as very considerate and thoughtful mm-hmm. and soft spoken in his Interactions with the media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just that he holds stupid views. Views, but
0: yeah, I guess to each other one. He's he's now living in Hawaii, semi-retired. I mean,
1: good for he's him. Made bank. As long as he's
0: not damaging anyone, yeah. whatever. Have your fun. So that's Jim Carrey. Now let's quickly ra- uh, move on to the Indian. What is happening in India at, at this, this point? point. Ta-da, ta-da. So this is, I'd say, what a year removed from DDLJ, which is the uh, which was going to become one of the... So I'd say
1: it's the second biggest event in Bollywood after Shole. Yeah, DDLJ. for sure. Yeah.
0: Shole and DDSJ. But we thought like what DDSJ was... We had a bit of a false dawn in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So there was this dude called Suraj Bajatia who was running around Bollywood for, for a while. So Suraj Bajatia comes out with a movie called Hamaapke Khan, And this is his second film. His, his sophomore venture. Yeah. Having just kinda launched... Salman Khan. Ka. I don't think Salman... considered to be his debut... But it's not really his debut. It's like the thing that propelled him... Propelled to, him to stardom, yeah. right? Uh, but for Suraj Who had been running around Bollywood at this time... Had two back-to-back successes. He created a film... For the Indian home. Yeah. It will not work anywhere else in the world.
1: He is responsible for creating... The idealized joint family yes. dream that... Every Indian family, family The family chases. that eats together, stays together. Family that prays to something and yeah, all. Some, it's super parochial. It's super old-fashioned. Completely at odds with reality and at odds with our generation. But uh, I'm sure our parents love it. Is, it. is the
0: is the dog in the film a Pomeranian?
1: Yes. Yeah, fuck Suraj Bajatia. Yeah, fuck Suraj Bajatia. So many noisy corridors and so many apartment oh because of him.
0: Tuffy, right? Tuffy is the name, Some, of, yeah, yeah, uh, the name of the dog. What a
1: bitch-ass breed, dude!
0: <laughs> oh my god, I don't like. I, I love dogs. I can't stand Pomeranians. Exactly. I
1: have a dog. I can't stand Pomeranians.
0: <laughs> it's uh, he also as much as he like idolized, like built the idol joint family. He also made Pomeranians popular, uh, and for that, I as much as I can't, I, I don't want to shit on so much. and this like so soon. Let's give him props for how up for yeah. what it ended up being.
1: I, 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 I personally don't like Suraj Barjathia films because they're far too removed from reality. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the template for a Suraj Barjatia film is, everything is, yeah, hunky-dory, family, la la-la, la whatever, la and then there is one minor inconvenience that happens.
0: Somebody fall down a staircase.
1: Yeah, and then everyone loses their shit over this minor inconvenience, and something bad is going to happen, and then... Just slap of finger, everything's like yeah, la la la, uh, again.
0: <laughs> oh, but Suraj Bharjati was probably the best thing to have happened to Salman Khan. It is very weird, because knowing Salman Khan the way we do now, yeah,
1: he's uh, the exact opposite of a Suraj Bharjati protagonist in just reality. just think about it,
0: right? Salman Khan, like the reputation is built up, built up. The three films that, or rather that, Indian families absolutely adore, Maine Pyar Kiya. Ham uh, saat he was nobody likes him because he got this is the when the Black Buck case happened with the ah, yes. movie. Uh, and Hamap Khan and fucking Baghban.
1: Baghban, <laughs> is like if there is somebody in like that character in real life, you're like Simp Max. Between BR Chopra and Suraj Barjatiya, our generation is fucked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the amount of oh man, and Salman Khan is the poster child for in all three films. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even die. Yeah, so, on the footpath. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Any, yeah. so <laughs> wow, this lo- I mean this launches an already successful Salman Khan into the stratosphere. Dikshit propels into stardom. I think, no by now, I mean, she, was, was she was
1: getting there. She was everybody's, she was, I wouldn't say everybody's sweetheart, but she was like, hey, this actress is good. Then it was like, oh man, man yeah. Madhuri Dixit everywhere. Madhuri
0: also, that's an episode to talk about. Madhuri yeah, we is should and
1: deservedly. So yeah, what a presence, what a personality.
0: Oh, even like when Aja Nuxley came out.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I
0: went like to watch to, it. Because at her age,
1: now she outdance like people who are the yeah. current movie crop of She'd starlet, she'd mm. outdance anyone. Everyone, other. I
0: think, yeah. There hasn't been a great dancer that's come out of... Not to the extent like Madhuri charmed audiences back in the 90s. I think Madhuri level, nobody has come after her. Mm. I would say the last good actress
1: who could dance, maybe Ayeshwarya to an extent. Mm. Um, actress who can
0: dance. There have been dancers who've come out, but they're not great actresses. Who? Katrin is a good dancer. She's not a terrible actor. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's put yeah. a lot of work into her dance. Yeah, yeah very hard work, you like can see the progression, right? In yeah, terms it's of true. Like sheer, sheer application. is a
1: natural, I don't know what is about whatever her. Whatever
0: just, yeah, she's, I mean, she's trained. She's classically Yeah, I mean,
1: exactly. Trained. It's classical training at play, but there's a certain flair to her and that flair comes into her acting as well. There's a presence when she talks, when she's on screen. Hmm. You can't take your eyes off her.
0: So, which is, I think, it's a big part of... Um, of Hamaab Kekon. Yes. And, yes. This, and the song... Divi she's yeah. the heart of the movie. Oh, yeah. Salman Khan... Whatever, fair mm. enough, but... She's the heart she's of the movie. She's the heart part. of the film, right? Um, I mean, yeah. I, I don't like this movie. So, Salman has this... But he also has Anda Apna Apna. A critical Salman flop. not a carrier skier. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big flop. In yeah. 1990. Okay, yeah.
1: Commercially, maybe Anda Apna
0: yeah. yeah. Not a big flop, but... Its legacy has... It, it is a uh, cult max cult filming. We've discussed Houston. this in the cult classics episode, yeah. right? So, Anda's is another is up there. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up. Again, super quotable. So much fun today. Actually, I was at breakfast this morning and we were moving orange juices around. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, this is." We two of, two friends and uh, which is me and another person. We also had the same idea. We were like, "Okay, we know oh, this is like the football sequence from Annapurna all over again." So quotable. Wow, 1994 was where it sat, dude. Yeah, it's man. And like, we have like little to no memory of it. But then we'll move on from Hamaap Kekon. There's not much to say about Hamaap Khan. It's very straightforward. popcorn, yeah. Indian joint family entertainer is how I could put it. Great music. Um, yes. An iconic Laddu slingshot sequence. Yes. Great Grand doggy cricket also. Yeah, good doggy cricket. Fuck Pomeranians. Yeah. Fuck Pomeranians. I think that's
1: what I want to leave with yeah. on Horm Kekon. Fuck yeah. Pomeranians. Yeah. Hate Poms. Yeah.
0: Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next film in the in the three. I,
1: uh, okay, so this is probably the least commercial of the the movies in 94, but I want to spend a hot minute just talking about it because how good the movies and how interesting the source material is. This is 94's Bandit Queen mm-hmm. uh, by Shekhar kapoor by Shekhar Kapoor starring Seema Biswas Yes yeah. Seema Biswas yeah. as t- the titular bandit queen mm. She plays Fulan Devi who was a natural female dacoit in the 70s and 80s operating in the chambal valley uh, and the bundelkhand regions of mp and up mm-hmm. um, again what a fascinating life uh, like as part as part of research for this episode i, I went down this whole rabbit hole of fulandevi's life mm-hmm. i mean on the face of it obviously decoy tree is you would and you would expect a very male dominated <laughs> of profession. course yeah uh, but for her to have entered this profession and yes, I, I, I mean, I hate to put it in this way. She sort of, again, air quotes paid the price because she, she was, she suffered a lot of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, rape. There was, uh, nobody treated her right. They didn't give her the respect she deserved. She had to fight her way to the top. It was a very violent rise to the top. Yeah. But, uh, the fact that she kind of was the alpha in, in this field, mm-hmm. like she had her own gang and stuff. Uh, to go from that and to then decide to, you know, surrender to the police. And she had a very, like, eclectic list of demands before she surrendered. Mm -hmm. And Indira Gandhi personally got involved in uh, ensuring she surrendered and all. Mm -hmm. It became a national event. And then, as is the case in India, it happens only in India. She ended up becoming a member of parliament. Of course, yeah. And then she was assassinated. I mean, just what a colorful life. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shekhar Kapoor, while... There are, in hindsight, now there are articles which call out the problematic depiction of. Uh, Fulan Devi. Fulan Devi's agency in her. in the treatment of. like how she was subjected to sexual assault. Hmm. Uh, Shekhar Kapoor apparently treats it a little flippantly in the movie. Hmm. Uh, but he put together a great cast. So there's. Um, there's Seema Biswas, there's Govind Namdev, there's Manoj Bajpayee, towards the end of the film he comes in for a smaller role. There's Nirmal Pandey who is sort of the co-protagonist along with her. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this movie called Israat Ki I've
0: heard but I haven't seen it.
1: It's, uh, it stars Nirmal Pandey, it's, it's just an entire movie about one night. Okay. I remember watching it as a kid, mm-hmm. again very interesting movie, great actor Nirmal Pandey. Okay. Sad that he uh, passed away at quite a young age. Mm-hmm. So great cast, very interesting story. Uh, one of the few films for which Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan has given the music very interesting very eclectic music uh, mm-hmm. the soundtrack as well uh, mm. I don't think it made too much money I don't think it uh, did. I don't think Shekhar Kapoor intended for it it's not the kind of subject it's not a commercial like,
0: potboiler of the 90s exactly Yeah.
1: but uh, I applaud the fact that he, he you know put his money where his mouth is and came out with something like this I think it's a story that needs to be told regardless of how many people are watching it mm-hmm. Uh, Where can people find it, if at all? Uh, I don't think it's, so on I don't any think it's platform. streaming anywhere, right? I would have. I oh, it's there on Prime Video.
0: Oh, interesting. It's there on Amazon Prime. Okay, so. so that's a place for you to check out.
1: Yeah, but uh, this movie takes
0: you to serious dark places. Good. I mean, I feel like a lot of this is a, this is a fair. Um, I mean, also rightly painted view of Bollywood in the '90s being hum up ke- yes. regions. It's a good
1: dose of realism in what was
0: mainly escapist fair. I, I think. think, yeah, it was... And this is kind of what I want to highlight about the 90s. There was escapist fair, and then I think about in the year 98, Satya drops, and Oof. then then launches the gangster genre of films. Yeah. I think Satya, and then I think Va- Vasta followed soon Vasta was around there, 99 99 or so, which is also a great gangster film. Yes. So, Karnayak is... Can you classify it as a gangster film? Is it not a gangster Kal-Nank film? Kalank
1: is older and it's it's more dramatic. It's mm. like Manmohan Desai gangster
0: film. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Satya definitely up there. There's a recent article that came out, which in the interview the lead actor J.D. Chakravarti of Satya. He mentioned that Shah Rukh wanted to be cast in the main role for the film. I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked. No, at that point, Shah Rukh was, I think
1: would th- have been bigger than the film. Film, yeah. So that was on Bandit Queen. Again... I, I, I would recommend the movie with caution. Mm-hmm. It, it's not an easy watch, but it's uh, a necessary watch. Yeah. Coming to the next movie, uh, so again, slightly more commercial, but I think it's a nice way to end uh, our Indian trilogy because it's a movie that balances commercialization as well as telling a good story. It, it's, it's, we've discussed two ends of the spectrum. This is right in the middle. Yeah. We're talking about uh, Vidhu Vinod Chopra's uh, 1942, A Love Story. Have we discussed some? No, We haven't? Why we haven't, have dis- like we haven't have. discussed this film. Okay, cool. Uh, so this is Vidhu Benoit Chopra's 1942 A Love Story starring Anil Kapoor, uh, Mahinesha mm-hmm. Kaurala, Anupam Kher and also in a very small role Jackie Shroff. I forgot the canny of the guy who plays his dad. I know his name, I can't remember.
0: Describe the movie he's been in.
1: He always plays these uh, arrogant prote- antagonists, which is pretty much what he is mm-hmm. in this movie as well. It's it's not important. Okay. But uh, as the name suggests, the movie set in 1942, which is when uh, Mahatma Gandhi had sort of kickstarted the Quit India movement, mm-hmm. and uh, it was at the like at the outset of the Quit India movement was when uh, fervor was highest. Uh the whole karenge ya marenge quit or die yeah, yeah. uh was at its peak and it is a slogan that is oft repeated in the film as well. Mm, so Anil Kapoor
0: plays Naren. Naren, Naren? Naren. Put it up. I don't remember this movie at all.
1: Narendra, and he's called Naren. Fuck yeah. yeah. yeah very bro. <laughs> Let's do that again. Yeah. Hmm, okay, come. So, Anil Kapoor plays Naren. I don't know if his, that's his full name, but he's called Naren in the movie, who is the son of this zamindar, And the zamindar is sort of affiliated with the British. He's, mm-hmm. he's with the establishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not too keen on the independence moment happening. Naren obviously doesn't at this point, at the start of the movie, he's ambivalent. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. I'm yeah. rich. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. happy. Fuck everyone. And yeah. Chilling. Mm-hmm. But then he... Uh, so uh, so he sees this girl, uh, played by Manisha Korala, I think her. she's called Rajo in the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And typical Bollywood love at first sight. Yeah. And he's like, um, I, I must get her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, through the course of the movie, he realizes that her dad is a freedom fighter. And she has very clear, like, what revolutionary ideologies and through her he kind of realizes how fucked up it is the way the British are ruling India and how his family is part of the problem and initially it starts with him getting into the freedom fighting movement to win her over until he genuinely starts comes sort off. of buying into the ideology and uh, he sees what an asshole his dad is and then the movie goes from there and their stuff happens and how they sort of cope with it and the ending is a little cinematic it's very... It's larger than life, it's Of Hollywood, so. and mm. it's very unrealistic, but uh, it's a very different movie, like, t- to set
0: a love story in a... In a against her, like, with with a family. I would have never thought of that angle, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's, it's a very a unique angle. Very unique angle.
1: Has a great song as well. Lovely. Yeah, I think it was R.D. Burman's last uh, OST, last oh, soundtrack, nice. and then he passed away after that. Nice. So, that's why it's famous, and amazing songs, amazing songs, I would mm. say... As good as any R.D. Steven. Kind good of way. gets swept under
0: the rug, 1942. Sorry? Kind of gets swept under the rug.
1: Yeah, I don't know why it's not remembered as as much uh, as other films of that time. In fact, I think it's one of my dad's favorite films, which mm-hmm. is why I remember being introduced to it. He said, you have to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. The music is really good. Stuff and uh, yeah, I think more than anything else, it's the music that's endured. Uh, I'm sure people have heard a lot of those songs without realizing Need it's from right, 1942.
0: 1942. Was it a commercial success I don't remember much.
1: I think it was it wasn't a flop hmm. uh, it has the commercial elements to make it work for the audience and obviously it's a patriotic film of where course, in, yeah. the independence movement wins at the end yeah. at least in that sphere
0: hmm.
1: uh, it should have worked uh, it would have worked hmm. but uh, again I think more than anything else it tells an interesting story. Uh, it's a good watch uh, I don't know how historically accurate it is. But um, definitely worth a one-time watch. I don't, again, don't know if you can catch it anywhere on any platform. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's there on Netflix. Wow.
0: Oh, interesting. Hmm. So,
1: I think easiest of
0: yeah, the platforms, platforms to get to something on. Yeah. So you
1: can definitely give it a watch.
0: But, yeah, um, I haven't seen it, but this is a movie I think I'll probably go back and watch. Because now that you, when you set up a premise, or rather, the, the elevator pitch for this film is daughter of a freedom fighter falls in love with a uh, son of uh, a British favouring Zamindar. That's yeah. your film. Go. And it's, that's like, you have your conflict and I'm sure at the end they end up together whatever and you need to get... Correct. I would say the,
1: the most interesting, I w- I'm i not sure if it's the most standout character, but the most interesting character movie uh, character in the movie is uh, Anupam Kher, a mm-hmm. dad who plays a freedom fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level of commitment he shows, the belief, and the way he espouses that belief when explaining why he's doing what he's doing to Rajo. mm mm-hmm. Very nice watch. I mean, it's a little jingoistic. Of course, yeah. which it's going to be, right? Mm, for it Indian audiences, because, yeah. subtlety doesn't work. Mm, of course. Uh, nice. I mean, I like his performance more, regardless of what I think Anupam Kher has taken his roles to heart and yeah. decided to embody them.
0: Uh, but, mean, uh, but freedom, freedom fighting against whom? That's yeah. a different question altogether. Uh, but yeah, I think that should be that. Anything else you want to add?
1: No, just uh, I wish I was. Forming memories at 3 and they could have gone seen these movies uh, in the theatres. I
0: feel like kids these days, the way, the way they are growing up, they could remember stuff from when they were 2 years old, 2.5 yeah. years old. People are talking at 18, 18 months and forming full sentences. I, <laughs> 18 months, I was just left alone to my devices. You know.
1: <laughs> but I think the final thought you wanna, I want to leave everyone with is uh, fuck Pomeranians. Yeah, Pomeranians.
0: If this episode has taught us anything, fuck Pomeranians. Please don't buy Pomeranians. Yeah they are human they are humans they are dogs as well they have beating hearts and if you own a Pomeranian I apologize I don't okay <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say something but this made it worse <laughs> <laughs> so on on that note I think it's time we end this episode yes before That's we go exactly. on to like bash on Pomeranian some more <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on the next one where you don't know what we're talking about next week but we'll, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Bye bye. See you. So they opened their big mouths, and out came talk. Talk, talk!